Hello, you're listening to Making It Count, a podcast that provides practical financial advice for every stage of life with a twist. We're your hosts, Christina and Will. We aren't financial experts. We're just like you, aka trying not to stumble our way to financial success. That's where our money smart friends come into the equation. You see what I did there, Will? Yes. I guess we need to add a bad pun disclaimer to our show description. Well, as long as we add a reality TV spoiler disclaimer as well. I'm there for that. You'll want to stay tuned for fun guest interviews, discussions around money taboos, and apparently corny jokes and Real Housewives references. Mm -hmm. That is so perfectly us. So together, let's make make it it count. count. everyone and welcome back to making it count welcome to the third episode in our mini series about money taboos today we're tackling a very important topic bankruptcy and financial recovery i just read an article will that said that bankruptcies are surprisingly down 29.7 percent in 2020 despite the high unemployment rates there's some reason to believe that the decline is due to common misconceptions and myths about bankruptcy I mean, I'm sure I myself, I really couldn't tell you a whole lot about bankruptcy. Like, I'm sure that there's a lot of misunderstanding around it, especially when we just kind of throw the word around and don't really know what it means. That's so true. I have no idea anything about bankruptcy. So that's awesome. We'll introduce our amazing guest momentarily because, you know, we have very smart friends. But Will, first, what is your misunderstanding about bankruptcy or financial recovery? Like, what do you know about it? I mean, I think probably one misunderstanding that I have is that it is like the end of your financial life. Yes. I think I think people like hear that word and it's like, wow, they're ruined. Yes, me too. I've always that's my misconception is that I always thought like that's the end all be all. You might as well like like that's it. Pack up, go home. Right. You're done. Your financial history is over. So that's how I've always interpreted it, too. Yeah, I'm glad we're going to learn more about it today. And now it's time to meet our guests, and we have two of them today, Will. The first is Juan Velasco. He is the sales specialist from Edition Financial. Hi, Juan. Welcome. This is your first time on our podcast. Hello. Yes. uh, Thank you for having me. My name is Juan, and I I work for Edition Financial, and my job is just to try to bring financial wellness to all of our members. We appreciate you being here, and welcome, first-timer. Yeah, welcome. We need like a first-timer like bell, like ding, 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 ding. Right? No? Okay. No sound effects. You know, no. Sounds like fun. We can't be zany. Mm. No, this Juan's is a very... With me. Juan says yes. Christina, this is a very serious podcast. Okay. <laughs> We're talking about bankruptcies. There's no sound effects. Um, right. No, I'm kidding. But anyways, welcome on. And now let's also meet our second guest, Annette Boyd, who is the Vice President of Collections at Edition Financial. Annette, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, hello there. And thanks for having me. Thank you for being I'm here. very excited to be here. And to let you all know about the fun facts about bankruptcy. But I've actually been with Edition Financial for 29 years. Wow. Yes, 26 of them have been in the collections department. So I've actually had my my hands nice and deep in the barrel of bankruptcy. Man. And we'll get the barrel of bankruptcy. I like, I like the that. barrel of bankruptcy. The, the alliteration is can nice. We ba- can we like, like, I want to brand that, the barrel of bankruptcy. And by the way, Annette, also first time. First time, long Two time. Two first timers. First time, long time listener. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, thank you both for being here. This is a really important topic. So let's dive right in with the questions. Will, take it away. All right. So I want to start off with the very, very basic question. 
Annette, what does it mean to declare bankruptcy? Actually, what it means is that you're saying that you can no longer afford to pay your debts. And so the first thing that you need to do is to go out there and set yourself up a consultation with an attorney, a bankruptcy attorney, who can actually give you all the correct information, guide you, give you all of the rules and regulations, so that way you are actually going to get the best experience out of it and make sure that you get through it without any pain. So just like me and Christina come to our financial expert friends, right? the first step is to go to an expert, which would be the bankruptcy attorney. That is correct. That sounds like sound advice. Now, Annette, I've heard, again, I know very little about bankruptcy, but I've heard there's a lot of different types of bankruptcy. Can you talk to us about the most common ones? Oh, I sure can. So the first two ones that we're talking about here specifically that's uh, related to just everybody would be a Chapter 7 and a Chapter 13. So a Chapter 7 means that you have no assets and that you have a lot more unsecured debt and that you're looking to discharge all of that debt. Chapter 13 means that you have some assets, you have some income, and you have the ability to repay it. But there's actually a lot of steps that you have to go through before deciding which chapter that you're going to file. As I said, you're going to do all this with your attorney. So the first thing that you actually need to do is when you sit down with your attorney, you need to list all of your debt, all of your unsecured debt, all of your secured debt. You're going to go ahead and list all of your assets, which could be anything from boats, cars, houses, very expensive jewelry, stocks, bonds, and believe it or not, your 401ks also. Christina would have to get rid of all her diamonds. Yes, yes all of my... Her jewels. One of diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> but so, Annette, before we can go down deeper in that, so you say secured and unsecured debt. What Can you give me an example of what a secured debt is and what an unsecured debt is? Okay, so an unsecured debt, that is your credit cards. That's your line of credit. It could be just a simple, what you hear is called a signature loan, a vacation loan. That's considered an unsecured debt where you don't have any collateral that is securing it. When you start talking about secure debt, that's your house, a car, a boat, a motorcycle, an RV, all the fun stuff. So something tangible that, yes. uh, that you could get, you could take back. So like if I don't pay my auto loan, the financial institution can come in and say, well, you don't get your car anymore. So mm -hmm. they can try to offset any losses per se, right? That is not exactly true when you're talking about for bankruptcy. You just have to include it. Okay. You have to include it all that's in there. From that point, you're going to take what's called a means test. And it's going to determine your ability to repay because it has to look at your income to repay, if there's any equity in anything that you have. Now, we're not talking about your primary residence here. Okay, we're actually talking about if you have any equity in that classic car that you might have sitting in your garage. Mm, our vacation home. <laughs> that vacation home. Not the beach house. Not the beach <laughs> house. Yes. But you have to list all of that. You have to understand how much you have in assets, how much equity in everything you have. Now, depending upon how that goes, we'll determine if you're going to file a chapter seven or if you're going to file that chapter 13. Most of us fall within the chapter sevens. You know, let's say that you don't own a home, that you're renting, 
or you have your own house and you're paying a regular mortgage on it. You have a car and you're paying on that one. And then, of course, you have a lot of credit card debt. That's when you're going to a Chapter 7. And at that point, it's just a matter of going in. You're going to list all of it. The attorney's going to go ahead and submit it to the trustee. And it gets filed. And at that point, you've got about 60 days before you're going to go to a creditor's meeting. And then at the creditor's meeting, that's when all of us get a chance to go ahead and ask questions. If they want to keep that car, then they're going to have to file what's called a reaffirmation agreement with the creditor. That's going to be between the creditor, the debtor, and the attorney. And then, of course, the trustee is going to say yay or nay to that. Then you're talking about about another 60 days after the creditor's meeting, then it gets discharged. It is a long process. It's a very long With process. With a lot of hands in the pot. There's a, a lot, lot of, hands of in the pot. people involved that go into this. Now let's say you get approved for Chapter 13. That's a repayment. So now you're talking it's even a lot longer. So from the Chapter 13, you're actually working with your attorney You're going to list all of your assets, list all of your debts, and then you're going to decide what you're going to keep, what you're not going to keep. That's going to go to the trustee. The trustee will go ahead and take a look at it. Also, all your creditors get notified, and at that point, you want to want to file what's called a proof of claim, which means that we have an interest in this, so that way we want to make sure that we get paid. And that goes to another creditor's meeting. At that creditor's meeting, we The trustee decides and the debtor decides and confirms. And if it gets approved, the plan gets approved, then that goes out. And then we have to adjust a whole bunch of stuff in with our loans and stuff at the credit union and start accepting payments. And then if the member stops paying the trustee, then the trustee will dismiss it. But usually it's a three to five year plan and usually they follow through with it. And then it gets discharged at the end of five years. So trustee. I know what a trustee, we did the will, like the one about wills and all of that when we had her on for one of our podcasts last season. Is that the same type of trustee? Like when you say trustee, what does that mean? Okay, so in the bankruptcy courts, you have the judges and then you have what's called the trustees. And in the trustees, they are actually kind of like the case managers of your bankruptcies. They make sure that you are making the payments. They gather all the money because you pay the trustees. So they gather all the money. They make sure it gets distributed correctly. They're making sure that you are following what you're supposed to. They're making sure that if, you know, you're only making $1,000 a month and your car payment's $1,000 a month, they're going to say, sorry, you can't keep this car. So they're making sure that you're able to stay within your means and to pay that out. So that way you can recover afterwards. So it's someone to try and make sure that everything goes as planned throughout the bankruptcy. Correct. Is that person assigned to you or how do you get a trustee? It depends on what district that you're in. There's three districts in the state of Florida. There's the north, the middle, and the southern district. And at that point, there's usually, I want to say right now, I think there's two or three trustees in the middle district of Florida. And yeah, it gets assigned to you. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot of bankruptcies to handle for one one district. Imagine. Yeah. Okay. So Annette, there's clearly a lot that goes into the whole process in terms of like, I think what a lot of people may be curious about is what do I get to keep? And I know you, you touched on some of that, but 
going into this, can you be foreclosed on or have your car repossessed after being approved for, say, a Chapter 7? Well, that's a very good question, Well, So, oh, she just told you you had a good question. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so once your bankruptcy is filed, as I said, there is an automatic stay that's put in. So we can't just go out and repossess somebody's car. Hold on. What's the stay? What's, what's, what's an automatic a, stay? An automatic stay means that once the bankruptcy is filed, that the creditors can't touch you. They can't, oh. they have to stop all collection efforts. Everything freezes. Oh, okay. So let's say that I'm going to give you a really good example. Okay. We have a car out for repossession and it's 90 days past due. It's out there for repossession. We've been looking for the car. And at that time, we get notification that the members filed Chapter 7 bankruptcy. We have to immediately stop the repossession. We have to place it on hold. We have to stop everything. So now we're at this time, we reach out to the member's attorney to find out what are the, what's the member's intentions on this car. Do they want to keep the car? Do they want to surrender the car? What do they want to do? So if they say, well, they want to keep the car. So at this point, we go into a reaffirmation agreement. But let's say they want to surrender the car. So we try to work with the attorney to get the member to surrender the car. But if they stop all communication with us, this is where we get what's called a relief. We file a motion for a relief of stay, which means that if the trustee grants that motion, then what we can do is we can go out and go pick up the car. So that stay is lifted for that specific thing. And that's the same thing with a house. So if we're in the process of foreclosure, which this happens many times, if we're in a foreclosure, we've already had filed everything, we've already gotten our summary foreclosure judgment, and now it's for sale at the courthouse. Right there at the day before sale or at the sale, all of a sudden we receive a notification that the member has filed for bankruptcy. So in order for us to move forward with that foreclosure, of course, we have to stop everything. But in order for us to move forward with that foreclosure, we have to file what's called a motion relief of stay in order for us to go ahead and, and continue and have the uh, sale rescheduled. All right, Annette. So we talked a lot about bankruptcy. What's the advantage of going the bankruptcy route instead of me taking the time to then call each of my creditors and trying to do a plan with each and every one of them individually? Well, Christina, it's a possibility that, let's say, how much debt do you actually owe? Let's say you only have like three or four creditors, okay? Then yeah, why not try to go ahead and work something out with them? Always try to work with your creditors before filing for bankruptcy. But when you have someone who has massive debt, maybe you've got like a ton of medical debt. You know, most of the people that file for bankruptcy, it's because they've gone through something catastrophic in their life. Maybe you had the death of a spouse or divorce, or maybe somebody had cancer. They went through years of treatment and you have all this medical debt that's there and you're just trying everything you can and, and you're just so far underwater that you have no other choice but to file for bankruptcy. But a good choice would be is, let's say you have somebody that just has a few creditors, just a couple of creditors. You don't have that medical debt. Maybe you were just out of work for a year, you know, and now you're back to work. So instead of filing for bankruptcy, 
you know, you can reach out to your creditors and talk to them about paying, you know, paying something back, whether if it's charged off or maybe you're just delinquent. We offer members that haven't charged off yet. We offer members modifications to try to get them back on their feet. So it's always best to sit out, you know, to go to your creditor and say, hey, this is what's happened to me. I have this income now. Can we work something out? I really don't want to file for bankruptcy. I want to try to go ahead and repair everything. So that's something to try. And that's why you should always try to reach out for them. But as I said, you know, you have some people that have just been through something catastrophic and they have no other choice but to file. So someone who's just delinquent on one credit card, this is not the solution for you. Like stay far, far away. So following on that line of thought, like we, you, if you've gone through that catastrophic event or whatever it may be, for whatever reason, you're filing bankruptcy and you're going through it. One, tell us how bankruptcy affects someone's ability to get credit moving forward. I guess there's two things to point out. While there's a bankruptcy in process, as Annette mentioned earlier, all all your debts are frozen. So you're not really able to acquire debt during a period of going through the bankruptcy. But once the bankruptcy is discharged, then at that point, that's when you have your clean slate, assuming that is a chapter seven, which is the most common used. So when I see members that are coming out of discharge, it's not hard to build your credit, rebuild your credit history, especially if they have reaffirmed some of their debt. So if you have a member that reaffirmed the vehicle or a house and they're making payments and it's being reported to the bureau, then that will eventually start building back up your history. I think something that is important to point out is that it does have to report to the bureau because we have seen on our side that there are members that had reaffirmed a mortgage and somehow the lender is not reporting to the bureau that payments are being made. And that's history that is not being taken into account. So at least being aware that the debt that you reaffirm will help you build your credit. So that's step number one. And then a simple rule that it's not necessarily a rule, but it's just a guidance for our members is to reapply for unsecured credit. We, we would like to see 12 months of good payment history with either one of the debts that you have reaffirmed or a new debt that you could have acquired. And that seeing that repayment history for 12 months, along with other factors like income being good and your debt to income ratio management uh, being low, then you could qualify potentially for no credit upon underwriter's revision. So yes, a discharge or claiming bankruptcy is definitely not the end of your finances. If anything, is a new beginning. And I think that's, uh, that's how it should be seen. So... One, we talked about the differences between filing bankruptcy or going to each of your creditors. What are steps before you get to the filing bankruptcy part? What steps can someone take to help manage their debt before they get to that point in their decision making? I think that's a great question because I guess it depends on how deep you are, right? So how deep in debt, I mean. The first step is to just start becoming aware of your finances. So definitely, if you're not doing this already, make sure that you're budgeting and you understand if at the end of the month or at the end of your uh, of your budgeting term, if you're coming into positives or negatives and understanding where we at with that. Okay. And if one starts to notice that your income is being too compromised by your debts in a, in a way that it could potentially take you to a point where you can't return, 
then the best way is to try to find a tool that can help you to manage all that debt. So what we do at the credit union, what I could tell you we do for our members a lot of times is we do consolidation loans. So let's say, for instance, you have acquired, uh, you know, 10 different credit cards and you've used them all and you haven't noticed, but all of a sudden you have over $15,000 worth of debt on this 10 different credit cards. And it happens so easily, right? So one of the and, and credit cards, not to say, you know, not to be redundant, but they, they pay interest and they also pay high interest. So you have some credit cards that are paying 15 to 25 percent on wow. interest. And that's when that 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 becomes really hard to pay back because you're slowly paying back. But you're also acquiring interest rate exponentially because your your interests are high. So what uh, what I would suggest in a situation like that where you're you're getting into deep into that, but you're still you're still good to pay back is the best way is to try to put them together into a fixed term, fixed rate type of, of, of solution for our members. So what we offer it like for instance, the first or second quarter of the year, we had a really good promo for consolidation. It was a 5.75 four-year term consolidation loan. And what we were able to do for a lot of our members is combine all those credit cards into a one payment, lowering the rate from 15, 20% to 5.5% or 5.75% and then having a fixed payment that has an actual goal to get out of that and bringing those credit cards down. So what it does is because you have one payment as opposed to having several payments, then your income starts being less compromised and you're able to pay back at a faster rate with lower rates. So I guess uh, becoming aware is the first step. And the second step is seeing if you have a way to consolidate your debt because that way it becomes easier to pay back. That would be my first suggestion before doing anything else will definitely be if there's finding a way to pay less interest in the debt that you have acquired and finding a way to see if you can combine the debt, put it into one monthly payment that is comfortable for you at a rate that is fair and that you can pay back in a determined period of time. So you get the consolidation loan you are beginning the process of getting your debt managed. At the same time, there's your credit. And the way you handle that debt is going to determine how you rebuild your credit. So what are some tips in terms of things to be very cautious of as you go into this new kind of territory? I think that's a great question, Will, because what does happen with some of our members that we put into a program of consolidation is they go back out to the world and they get themselves in debt again. <laughs> and so then they have the debt that they already consolidated. And they see a net anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. But it doesn't happen with every member, especially the members that we get to educate. So you have to be very careful with your credit card uses. I think it's the double-edged sores, a credit card. It helps you build your credit if you manage it well, if you keep it under 30%, uh, manage it well, pay it back as you're using it. But it could also be your Achilles heel in your credit report because as you start seeing, as you start going, creeping up on that percentage of usage, you're over 50%, over 70, over 80%, then your credit score is just going to take a dip. So the first thing is seeing if you are able to find a consolidation way to actually pay back and not get yourself into more debt. And then the other option that uh, we bring up to our members from time to time is if your credit score is hurt in a way where you don't qualify for any unsecured debt, meaning 
creditors are not willing to give you credit to consolidate because they don't trust you, right? Or your credit score is not where it needs to be to be approved. Then the other way will be to try to find a secure option to get money. So we have two uh, products or two solutions for our members that gives us that. And we have one that, which is the home equity loan. So if you have a property that has a uh, good equity, by the way, Florida owners, you must have a lot of equity by now because houses, <laughs> the housing market is crazy. Mar- it's insane. So we've been doing a lot of that for our members. But assuming that you have the equity, you could use a home equity deal to consolidate your debt. Same concept, but you're using the collateral so that you can A, qualify it easier and B, get a lower rate, right? And then the other option is if you have a if you have a vehicle that is paid off and it meets criteria, we also do vehicle title loans. We have done a few of those to get cash to our members. And it, again, helps them with the same process. Well, something that we talk about a lot in many episodes of our podcast is looking at your credit report. I think both of you can agree that managing your credit is is also looking at those free credit reports. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. I think that's as you're going through all of this, as you're consolidating, as you're paying attention to how much is going out versus how much is going in, is super important to also either, there's many subscriptions. We have one for our additional financial members. Uh, it's called CreditWise. It's on our web, uh, on our app and on our online banking. So if you ever have a chance to check it out, log in, set up CreditWise, and you'll be able to see and monitor your credit score on a monthly basis. And you can get a certain amount of them for free every year. Yes. Of credit reports. Juan, this is a lot of information to take in. And I know you, Annette, you see one side of the coin because you see what's going into the bankruptcy. And Juan, you get to see the other side of the coin. So tell us some happy endings. Like give us some like good stories that you've had where someone has gone through something catastrophic, has had to go through bankruptcy, but has come out the other side and you were able to help them on the other side. All right. First, I want to point out, it doesn't have to be something catastrophic. Catastrophic events do make it easier for someone who made the decision to file in bankruptcy because you see no other way. And I do see them from time to time, members that have filed bankruptcy, they're not necessarily going to a catastrophic event, but they're just retiring. And all of a sudden they're on a fixed income with social security and pension and they don't have their the salary that they used to have. So it's not a catastrophic event to go into retirement, but it can be if you can't pay your debt back, right? So just keeping that in mind. But yes, I, I actually have one member specifically. I spoke to him this week. He had just been discharged from bankruptcy and we had a conversation and he was super concerned that he was never going to be able to get credit again. And you know, I was just talking to him about getting this new sl- clean slate on a credit report. It actually will help this person get approved because their experience before filing for bankruptcy was every time that the person would apply for anything with addition financial, there'll be decline, period. Unless it was a secure product and he, he wasn't trying any of our secure products. So that being said, this member file bankruptcy. We checked out his credit report. He still doesn't qualify for any products more than likely uh, with addition financial, but he will. And we talked about it. We set up a plan. Our member is going to start paying his debt back. He's going to manage his debt. We you know, gave him the tool of credit, credit-wise access. And we set up a phone call for it. I know it's a little weird, but we set up a phone call for next year. 
We're going to talk about it again, see how he feels, see if he feels good about applying again. And like I said, we like to see at least 12 months of good payment history with all the other metrics that are underwriting reviews. And if they qualify, they will be approved. Now, we can't say that every member that tries to apply after a bankruptcy will get approved because that's not accurate. But it is true that if they work on their credit as as they get this charge and they come back to us, more than likely we can give them a, an opportunity, even if it's a small opportunity. We'll start small, maybe a $500 credit card, and then kind of build it from there. Annette, what about you? Well, usually once they, what I'm seeing is that somebody that's actually caused the credit union a loss. And so unfortunately, I know it's not the happiest news, but once somebody causes credit union a loss, we can't offer them any services or loans. But personally, I know people that it was kind of a, an event and a life event that actually strained a lot of their finances and they filed for bankruptcy and it took them a little while, but they were able to purchase homes, purchase cars. They're leading a very productive life and they're happy. So it wasn't a choice that they wanted to do. It was because they had, you know, a life event that actually put them through that, but they're doing very well. They're actually doing very well. So there is life after bankruptcy. Light at the end of the tunnel. I love that. I mean, I don't love the fact that people have to go through that, but I like to know, like I didn't know that there was life after bankruptcy. So I think that's really great to share. So Annette, of all that, because there's many types of debt and we talked about oftentimes a catastrophic event like uh, medical emergencies that built up enormous amount of debt. So medical debt is obviously something that can be included in a bankruptcy, but that leads me to the idea of what kind of debt might not be eligible to be included in a bankruptcy. Oh, wow. Great question. Well, the number one is, sorry, if you owe the IRS, you're going to continue to owe the IRS. Uncle Sam's coming after you. Uncle Sam, from the government. Aunt <laughs> Samantha, you know, all of them. They're actually going to, you're, you're not going to get rid of that. Any kind of taxes, your student loan, your student loan debt. Really? Yes, your student loan debt. Sorry. As of right now, nope, can't get rid of it in bankruptcy. Child support, I believe alimony. And if you got yourself involved in a fraudulent scheme that you were definitely a part of, and what I mean is that you're like, okay, I'm going to use this person's ID and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then we're able to get a judgment against you, you know, because it's fraudulent or you do something where you just cause some sort of fraud. And if you owe them money, that's not going to go away. That's, you're still going to be responsible for it. So, I mean, in that case, it's pretty clear. And even in the tax lien case, it's also pretty clear that like the whole idea behind a bankruptcy is to help a person who is truly underwater and cannot, there is no way they can manage their debt. Mm -hmm. But if you have purposely gone out and committed a crime, <laughs> you're not going to be eligible for that help, quote unquote, right? That is correct. Okay. You're going to get help from jail. <laughs> Christina said jail. <laughs> jail. <laughs> By right. the way, Christina, bankruptcy is not an option for you to put your daughter into. Oh, I can't. But she still owes me for that purple sweatshirt. Christina, Christina put her daughter in debt. 
No, my daughter put my daughter in debt because she wanted a sweatshirt and she didn't have money to pay for it. So I fronted her the money. Now she's paying me back in $1 interest-free installments every week. And she's going to be sent to Annette <laughs> right? if she misses that payment. I know. And if she doesn't pay, Annette, I'm calling you and you're going to have to... Annette's going to have to call her and say... <laughs> I would Hi, be more. This is Annette. Yes, I would be more than happy to call her and let her know <laughs> that I'm calling on behalf of her mother, and uh, she is behind three dollars <laughs> on that purple sweatshirt. I'm, on that purple I'm sweatshirt. When, when, uh, can we expect that? to receive a payment on that? <laughs> and then you keep calling and calling and calling. That'll scare her straight, though, right? Right? Has she, she, missed, has she missed a payment? No, not yet. Well, not she's yet. doing good. She's, she's doing, doing really good. well. I'm very proud of she her. She does yet. not need bankruptcy. Yet. No, no, I hope not. She doesn't need bankruptcy, but it's a great education. My family did that with us. Really? My family used to do that with us. I was given a budget book. And if I bought something, I was told that, okay, this is here. And then with my babysitting money, I didn't get an allowance. I got I had babysitting money and lawn money from mowing yards and and so I would have to pay it back a little at a time. And I had to keep a ledger of it. See, Will? See? I am doing See? the right thing. I needed some affirmation. Thank you, Annette. I appreciate You're that. welcome. See? <laughs> You're my favorite, too. <laughs> now it's time for our rapid-fired questions that we call the Making It Count Essentials. Will, why don't you get us started? My question, which is a very good question, is for <laughs> Annette. Annette, how much does bankruptcy cost? Well, that depends, Will. So it depends on how much that you have. It depends on who your attorney is. It depends on if you file a Chapter 7 or if you file a Chapter 13. It depends on how much you really own an asset. So it could be very small to thousands of dollars. I didn't even know it cost anything. Duh. Oh, yeah. oh, I'm kidding. Goodness. Okay. I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Annette, we were just talking about collection calls to my daughter about the purple sweatshirt. But when you file for bankruptcy, does that stop collection calls? Absolutely. That's the automatic stay that we I was referring to. Oh, okay. We even block their access to online banking so that they don't see how much they owe. Yep, they can't. They, uh, our members, when uh, we get the notification of bankruptcy, they are because... All of their loans are all in their statements, so they don't receive statements. They don't receive notices. They get locked out of their online banking. Uh, they no longer have courtesy pay, so it's all and that's locked because down. They're because they're going through their trustee. Oh my gosh, Will! Oh, Will, you learn? I learned. I retained. You did. <laughs> oh, gold star. Thank you. All right, Juan, what's the most surprising or funny misconception you've heard about bankruptcy and or financial recovery after bankruptcy? Uh, well, I, I think you guys already pointed it out, but it has to be the fact that you that some people may think that bankruptcy is the end of it all. Some people are even ashamed of just doing it. Like I had a member saying, I know I can't pay for any of my stuff, but I'm not fine for bankruptcy just out of pure pride. So that, I think that's funny because, you know, you, you at some point your pride has to give up and, you know, just understand to accept where, where we at financially and move forward because this is a way to move forward. Juan, can people still buy a house if they've had a, a bankruptcy in their past? Yes. The answer is yes, they can. Now, they what uh, you may want to do is if this is your scenario, is check with the different financial institutions that you're planning to apply to because every institution has different 
parameters for bankruptcy because there's usually some limitation as to how long you have to wait before you can apply. But it's usually not that lengthy. So just, you know, yes, you can. You just have to check what the waiting period is with the institution you're planning to go with. All right, Annette, we already kind of touched on this. I know a lot of people think that their personal belongings, like Christina's many diamonds, (laughs) would be sold off to pay debts if they file for bankruptcy. Is that entirely true? No, it is not entirely true. But yes, there are some possibilities. So are they going to come into your house and take your furniture and take your dishes and take your Hummel set, you know, and <laughs> or, um, you know, don't take my air fryer. It, no, no, I don't think you have to worry about okay, the air okay. fryer, Whew, but that relief. side-by-side refrigerator. Is that your most valuable <laughs> possession? I love my air fryer. I made salmon in the air fryer last week and it was to die for. Oh, my God. Okay. Sorry, Annette. No, oh that's, that's, that's that's quite all right. Um, <laughs> Wild night at Christina's house. Yeah. <laughs> Salmon in the air fryer. To die for. So they're not going to come and take all of your possessions. But as I said, it depends on how much that you owe and what you have. So as I said, if you have that beautiful classic Corvette that's paid off in full and it's already been restored and everything and you know, your credit card debt is all charged up because you had to drop that new engine inside there. Could they take that and sell it? Absolutely, they could. But, you know, grandma's diamond ring, you know, they're, they're not going to do that unless it's worth a hundred grand. Then, you know, maybe maybe they they will. It just depends on what assets that, that you're looking at. All right. Well, thank you both so much for being here today. It's now time for us to hand over the mic to you so you can tell our listeners what you're up to and where they can connect with you. So Juan, where can our listeners find you? Yes. So I'm part of the sales and member experience and I actually get to work with our members directly. So if you ever have questions about anything to do with your credit or if you have questions about loans or questions about what options are better for you, uh, feel welcome to give me a call. Phone number here is 407-896-9411 and my direct extension is 3035. That's 3035. If I'm not available, you can always uh, leave me a voicemail and I'll call you back. Thank you so much, Juan. And Annette, I know that you, thank you so much for coming. I hope you enjoyed being the first time, long time on our show. Thank you. I did. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Well, you know, now is our favorite part of the segment. We like to call, What, what Did We, we Learn today? today? I'll go first. So uh, for me, what I learned from today's episode was the the different scenarios that can lead to bankruptcy. I think that's really good to know. I think, you know, Juan mentioned that a lot of people have a lot of pride around it. And I can totally understand that there's a lot of insecurity. And that's why we're calling it a money taboo. Like it there's a lot of you feel like it's a personal reflection on yourself and your own, you know, who I am as a person. But at the same time, people get into scenarios that, you know, whether it was their fault or not, it's a situation they have to deal with. And I think that this is one way that somebody might be able to eventually continue on with a normal life versus constantly having to deal with debt that is simply out of control. Yeah, definitely. I learned that as well. And I learned that that a bankruptcy is not the end of the road. Like there is light at the end of the tunnel. You can go through this. Both um, Annette and Juan gave us great examples on how you can really move forward. You just have to be diligent to make those right moves after the bankruptcy is resolved. I think that's the big key. Like it's the bankruptcy is not going to 
magically make everything better. You have to make do the work after the fact to make sure that you stay in line. So I learned that. I just remember the first time I heard bankruptcy, like the word. What? It's in the game of life. It is. There's like there's like You're a space right. on the board game of Did life. Did you have like yeah. three sets of twins and I then we're married? I was so sick of that. There was one time where I had two cars because <laughs> I had so many kids in the game and I was mad about it. That's scary. I was like, I didn't want that because, you know, there's also the title is like pay for every one of your kids to go through yeah, college. And I was a, like, no, yeah. I don't want them to go to college. <laughs> no, I'm poor. I have seven children and a car that seats six. And then you have, yeah, yeah, no. There's a baby yeah. driving one wow, of them. you're very traumatized by that I don't game. like the game Do of we life. need to have, Producer Lauren, we might need to like have a whole sesh about just his, it, his, his no, poor. I don't, I don't like that. All right. I got very mad when I ended up with a house I didn't like. I wasn't able to like the split level. I didn't get, I always wanted like the nice estate. Of course you did. Yeah. Man, things don't change much for you, Will, huh? (laughs) (laughs) All right. As you know, each episode, we like to provide our listeners with a link to resources that they can use to make it count in their daily lives. Will, please do the honors. Yes. So today's resource is from Addition Financials online financial resource center and it is the nine legitimate strategies to rebuild your credit score and you can get that at resources.additionfi.com and it will also be linked in our show notes i think a lot of people don't know about credit rebuilding opportunities so that is the terrific resource for people who just need some help with financial recovery and producer lauren has included the link to that in our show notes thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time on making it count And that's a wrap on this episode of Making It Count. If you learned something new, were inspired to reach your financial goals, or just found us entertaining, please subscribe, share, or rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. And don't worry, we'll be back soon with another new episode of Making, Making It, it count. count.